Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter number 14, the book of Mark and chapter number 14 this morning as we continue to walk verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Word of God. And we find ourselves this morning in Mark chapter number 14. And if you don't have your Bible, there should be one, perhaps in the seat in front of you, maybe in the seat behind you, you'll find a copy of God's Word, and we would encourage you to pick up that copy and follow along with us here this morning, Mark chapter number 14. If you found your place, and if you're willing and able, stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter 14 this morning, last week we spent time with verse 1, verse 2, and we really contrasted... Uh, the two characters that are mentioned in this passage of Scripture, the, the story of Mary and then the story of Judas. I'm just reminding you what we said last week, because a lot has happened since last Sunday to this Sunday. I'm reminding you that we said that a life spent in selfless devotion to Jesus is not a wasted life, but a life that's spent on self is a wasted life. You spend your life for Jesus, and it is never wasted. You spend your life on yourself, and you will waste every moment of this life. This is, of course, what Mary understands. This is, of course, the example that Mary gives us here in this passage. That's why there is such incredible praise for Mary here. And that's why the verdict of Judas, which we'll see more next week, is so devastating. But let's take the microscope and let's zoom in a little bit this morning. Let's look on just Mary. Let's look at what she did. Find yourself in verse number 3. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she break the box... And poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. And said, why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. And have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me, ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, This also, that she hath done, shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And isn't that true? Because here we are in 2022 in Long Beach, California, in America, something that the disciples, the writers of the Bible, Mark himself, would have not even had the faintest idea about. And here we are this morning reading her story. What Jesus says is true. 
The words of Jesus are true. They will be made true. This is what's happening here. Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him, betray Jesus. So Judas, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them, to the chief priest. And when they, the chief priest, when they heard it, they were glad and they promised to give him, give, Jesus, give Judas money. And Judas sought how he might conveniently betray Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use your word in our lives. And mold us and shape us according to your word. Encourage us with the example of Mary. Remind us of the love of Jesus. And cause us, in response, to live our lives in selfless devotion to Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. What is a life of selfless devotion? What does it look like? There's several things. We're just going to look at the example of Mary this morning through this chapter, Mark chapter 14, to, to see it, highlight a few things, make a couple points of application, and then we'll go. So let's learn. How do we have a life of selfless devotion? What did Mary do? First, notice this. Mary, verse 3, she thanked Christ for the past. She thanked Christ for the past. Look at verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. You say, Pastor, what, what exactly did Christ do for her in her past? Well, John, when he writes his gospel, he actually gives us more insight to this. Because in the book of John, this story is found in chapter 12 of the book. And Mary is Martha's sister. Mary and Martha are the sisters of a man by the name of Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, Lazarus became sick. He grew sick. They called for Jesus to come. Jesus delayed his coming to Bethany. And as a result, Lazarus died. They took Lazarus' body. They laid him in the tomb. And then Jesus, the Bible is teaching us, four days later came to Bethany. Upon coming to Bethany, he sees the tomb. He hears the cry. He sees the broken heartedness of Mary and Martha. He understands the suffering that sin has caused. Just for, Let me just park here for a second. Let me remind you that Jesus cares for you. We do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Jesus cares for you, just like he cared for Mary, just like he cared for Martha. And the Bible says that Jesus looking, John chapter 11, at the tomb of Lazarus is broken in his own heart as a result of what sin has done to his friend named Lazarus. And the shortest verse in all of the Bible, John chapter 11 verse 35 Jesus wept you know what that is teaching us that is teaching us that Jesus cares Jesus cares for you Jesus cares for me and then John chapter 11 teaches us that Jesus spoke to Lazarus in the tomb called him out of the tomb and rose him he resurrected Lazarus from the dead you say, well, pastor, why did Lazarus have to die anyway? Well, the answer from the Bible is very clear. Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin 
is death. The reason that we die is because of sin. And we have, according to the Bible, we have all sinned. Surely you've lived long enough, you're, you're mature enough to understand this even about yourself. We say things like this as we navigate the world, right? We say things like, well, nobody's perfect. And what do we do? We're using that as justification for why we've decided to do something that we know violates the word of God, violates our conscience, violates the spirit of God. Well, nobody's, nobody's perfect, and, and by saying such, we are acknowledging the very truth of the Bible, which teaches us that we have all sinned. And as a result of our sin, we will one day die. Now, regardless of your age, you will one day die as a result of sin. Yeah, I mean, last, last year, I celebrated my 40th birthday. And in celebrating my birthday, here's what I learned. Everyone starts treating you different when you're 40. My kids were treating me different. They have these caskets at my birthday party. Everything is in black. They're, they're, they're talking to me like I'm, like I'm literally have one foot in the grave. The staff is maligning me, making fun. Oh, he's old. He's 40. Just for the record, number one, 40 is not that old. But number two, we all have one foot in the grave. Whether you're 40, whether you're 14, whether you're 64, whether you're 503, I don't care. We all have one foot in the grave. You know, the result, is, the, the reason why, the reason why is because of sin. That regardless of our age, the Bible is teaching us the wages of sin is death. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5, even when we were dead in our sins... We were dead in our sins. Lazarus is a picture of us all. We are all dead in our sin. And our only hope for the deadness that we find ourselves in because of our sin is through Christ. So Ephesians chapter 2, even when we who were dead in our sin hath he quickened. Literally that word quickened means made alive. He breathed into us life. He hath he quickened us together with Christ for by grace are ye saved. You see, the only remedy for sin is Christ. The only way to have a life is Christ. The only way to overcome your sin is faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what separates the message of Christianity from every other religion in the world. Because every other religion in the world says, oh, you want to be made right with God? You want to get over your sin? Well, then you better do good, and you better be moral, and you better be civil, and you better feed the hungry, and you better help the poor, and you better go to church, and you better do all of these things, and hopefully, if you do enough good at the end of your life, it will outweigh the bad that you've done throughout your life, and God will let you into heaven. No, 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 friend. That is not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Our sins have separated us from a holy and righteous God. If we die 
separated from God in our sins. We will spend eternity separated in God as a result, uh, or, uh, as a result of our sin in hell. And the only remedy for that is God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die on the cross for our sin. He's made us alive. Mary understands this. Mary thanks Christ for what Christ has done for her in the past. And what did he do? He made the dead to live. What about you, friend? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you found forgiveness of sins in Christ? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Mary thanks Christ for what he's done for her in the past in that he made the dead to live, but she also thanks him because he made the unclean clean. Notice the text. Look at verse 3. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon. Notice this phrase. The leper. The leper. It really should read, being in the house of Simon, the former leper. Because Christ had made him clean. Of course, you understand this about biblical days in ancient times. If you had leprosy, you were cut off from all social contact with anyone. No one was having you to their house. No one was fellowshipping with you. No one was saying to you, hey, you want to go to my friend Simon's house? He's a very contagious personality. We can head over there. You were skipping that invite if you were given it. And yet, here we find Mary, the disciples, and Jesus all headed over to Simon's house. Why? Because Christ had made him clean. And Jesus, he not only went to the cross to die for our sin. Listen very closely. Jesus not only went to the cross to die for our sin, but Jesus' death on the cross removes the stain of sin from us. So that when Christ sees you, so that when God sees you, rather, he sees Christ. He removes all the stain of sin. He removes all the marks that sin has left in us. All the shame, all the regret, all the guilt. He takes it from us and he puts it on himself, on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, which is why Paul can say in Romans chapter number eight and verse number one, there is now no more condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. That you and I do not bear the condemnation of our sin, but Christ bore it for us. Mary thanks Christ for what Christ had done for her in the past. If you want to grow in devotion toward Christ, you must understand what Christ has done for you in this life. And you must remind yourself of this over and over and over again. You must realize that you are brand new creature in Christ. That you have been made clean from all that is defiled and unclean and dirty in this world. You have been invited to be a brand new creature in Christ. Putting off the old man. Putting away the old feelings. Mortifying the deeds of the flesh. So that you might be able to walk in the spirit of God. I would tell you this, 
the degree that you understand the depth of what Christ has done for you in your past. How that you were dead and he made you alive. How that you were unclean and he made you clean. To the depth that you understand that is the degree that you are fervently, selflessly living your life for him in full devotion and adoration for what he has done. Want to grow in your devotion? Remind yourself this morning what Christ has done for you. Mary thanked Christ for what he had done for her in the past, but that's not it. There's a second part here, and that's really the back half of verse number three. Mary trusted Christ with her future. Look at the verse. As he, as Jesus sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She broke the box, she poured it on his head. So as the men talk, as Martha serves, Mary takes this alabaster box, this, this flask of perfume. Now, now notice, this is not just some six-pack of Old Spice. That's not what we're dealing with here, okay? It's very expensive. In fact, Mark is pointing this out. He is saying, it's ointment of spikenard. It's very precious. The other accounts of this say literally this is 300 denarii, which, which means like it would be the equivalent in their day of about a year's worth of salary. Now stop and think about that for a second. How much do you make in a year? Don't answer out loud. How much do you make in a year? The most recent census, the 2020 census that was done here in Long Beach, said that the average worker in Long Beach makes $31,000 a year. So let's just use the numbers from Long Beach. She takes $31,000 worth of ointment. She takes $31,000 worth of perfume, which for her is probably her most prized possession. And she pours it out on him. She takes her most prized possession, her most valuable commodity, and she pours it out on him. She takes a year's worth of salary and she pours it out on him. Now, now I, I love the picture given here. And, and here is why. Look, look what she does with it. There came a woman of, alab of having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. Notice this. And she broke the box. You see that? Why do you think she broke the box? Let me give you two thoughts. Number one, because there was no going back. In, in other words, she wasn't stingy with what she was giving to Christ. You know how we would have handled that perfume? You know, what we, just a little bit for you. That's all you get, Jesus. Nothing else, right? Just a dabble do you. That's all you need. We would have given him just a little bit. You're worth just a little bit of this. Even a little bit, the aroma would have filled the air. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't give him just a touch. She isn't measuring it out. Some for you, some for me. Some for you, some for me. Some for you, some for me. She isn't measuring it out. She isn't stingy. She isn't measuring. She isn't withholding. She is literally giving it all. She is breaking the box. She is saying to Christ, in this, in this 
demonstrative action. I give you my all. I'm holding nothing back. And as you walk with Christ, there are moments like this. There are moments where Christ is calling you to give your all, to surrender your all, to trust him with your all, to have a moment where there's no take backs, where you aren't stingy, but where you break the bottle and pour it out for him. Notice this too. This, this is what I love. I told you there's two things about this I, I like. First, there's no going back. Second, she's not looking around. I, I love that she doesn't look to the disciples for approval before she does it, and she doesn't look to the disciples for approval after she does it. She doesn't walk in and tap the apostle Peter on the shoulder and say, would it be okay if I poured this out for Jesus? She doesn't do that. And then even after she pours it out on Jesus, she doesn't, do, she doesn't go, was that okay that I did that? She doesn't do either of those things. This was something that was, had nothing to do with the disciples. It had everything to do with her and her Savior. It had everything to do with her and Jesus. She wanted to do it not so she would be seen by others. She wanted to do it not so that way she would be, she would impress others. She simply did it because she trusted Christ with all she had. Want to grow in your devotion to Jesus? Trust Christ with your future. Don't hold back. Don't look for others for approval. Don't look around. Just put your eyes on Christ and follow after him. Don't be stingy with what you give him. She, she thanked Christ for her past. She trusted Christ for her future. But there's a, a third thought here, and that is this. She worshiped Christ for his person. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 5. And there were some that had indignation within themselves, and they said, why was this waste of ointment made? It might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. So the disciples, watch, watch. The disciples see this, and they go, well, that's not very strategic. Well, that wasn't very smart. Well, that, that, that's, that's not modest. There's no, there's no good planning in that. And I love this because while the disciples are sitting there going, well, that wasn't strategic, that wasn't smart, that wasn't modest, there's no good planning. While the disciples are murmuring among themselves at the act of this woman, Jesus sees what this woman does and says, this will never be forgotten. This, what she's just done, will never be forgotten. Isn't it true that this is often how people are? You build a new sports stadium, people think, man, that is super, let's do it. Want to build a new worship center? People go, what a waste of money. Want to trick out your living room with all kinds of state-of-the-art technology? Ooh, how fun. Want to buy a new projector at the church? Couldn't we find a cheaper projector than that one? Isn't this how we are? When it comes to toys that we like, when it comes to the experience that we want in life, oh man, nothing holding, nothing back, giving it all, buying the best, only top. When it comes to serving Christ, let's find something cheap. 
Let's get the lowest thing possible. Why, why is Christ telling the disciples, no, 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 this is not a waste? Why is he telling the disciples that? Well, the reason it is not a waste for her to spend a year's worth of salary pouring it out on him in that moment is because, watch, because she poured it out on him. Waste is only determined by who the gift is for. The gift is for Jesus. So it's not a waste. Because nothing done for Christ is ever lost. There's a, uh, there's a 12 course restaurant in Spain. It's one of the most expensive restaurants in the world. It, it, it charges $2,000 per person for a meal. Now think about that for a second. $2,000 per person for a meal. So, so imagine you hear that the deacons have got together and they've decided to send me and my family first class seats to the restaurant in Spain. And they're sending all of us, not just Amanda and I. They're sending all eight of us. The baby included. We're all going. You'd be right to say, hold on a second. That's a waste. But, but imagine, you hear about that you hear the deacons have spent all this money to send my family first-class airplane tickets all the way to this restaurant. You go, what, what a waste. And imagine I respond to you in that moment, hey, 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 chill out. I'm worth it. This is essentially what Jesus is doing. The disciples are going, what a waste. And Jesus goes, ho, oh, ho. I'm worth that. I'm worth that. Why? Because the woman realized what the disciples failed to realize. This is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is worth it. He's worth it. Jesus says what she's doing makes a whole lot of sense to me. The problem is not that there was no concern for the poor. You'll find out later. That's actually, it was a front. Judas is not concerned about the poor at all. It's typically what self-righteous people do. They, they try to make the issue some other issue than their own selfishness. But the reality is, it was their own selfishness. If they had known the moment that they were in, if they had recognized the person that was in front of them, they would not have murmured against the woman for pouring this out. They would have celebrated in this with her. You see, listen, friend, there, there's, a, there's a devotion to Jesus. Our theme for the last few years, following Jesus. There's a following Jesus that makes it makes sense to the world? Let's, let's ask the question, does your devotion to Jesus make sense to your unsaved neighbor? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. 
There's a version of Christianity that the world approves of. It's a, it's a good thing to have morals. It's a good thing to be kind. It's a good thing to raise your kids to be polite. It's a good thing to have community and people you can count on and people who pray for you. There's a version of Christianity that makes sense even to the world, but extravagant, full-hearted devotion to Christ, selfless adoration of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, does not make sense to the world. Do you know why? Because Paul is saying, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. I can't understand why we pick up a cross and follow. They can't understand why we'd give extravagantly, not just of our resources, but of our times, of our very selves. They, wouldn't, they can't understand why we would pour it all out in confidence of Christ. But Mary does, Mary does because she recognizes who Christ is. She worshipped him for his person. She trusted him with her future. She thanked him for the past. But that's not all. Watch this. She served Christ as best she could. So look at Jesus' response. Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye, ye, ye may, uh, whensoever ye will, ye may do good to them. But me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She was not one of the twelve. She was not a religious leader. She was not a prophet. She was not a teacher. She was not a miracle worker. She, she can't do any of these, these things because that is not who she is. But nonetheless, watch. She did what she could. Do, do you realize how freeing this is? You, you do not have to do what anyone else can do. You just have to do what God has created, made, gift, and put you here to do. You don't have to be anyone other than who God has created and gifted and called you in his word to be. Do you see how this sets you free from living under the shadow of this heaviness trying always to meet someone else's expectation of what you ought to be doing? No, no, no. You only have to do what God has called you to do. It, it, too many times in, in my own life, I've, I've spent my life living in the position of thinking, well, well, only if, only if I would have done that, and only if I would have had that, and only if I would have said that, and only if I would have gone there, and only if I would have went here. But a life of devotion is not built on only ifs. A, a life of devotion is built on the reality of what we have, where we are, who we are in Christ. You say, well, well, pastor, of course, of course Jesus would acknowledge what this woman is doing because what this woman is doing is very expensive. It's very costly. 
So, of course, Jesus would commend her because she's giving a year's worth of salary. Well, I will remind you of what we covered a few months back now when we were in Mark chapter 11 and in Mark chapter 12 where Jesus is pointing out to the disciples the widow, the gold medal giver of the New Testament. When Jesus is saying to the disciples, you see that widow? She gave more than everybody else. And the disciples are counting up her offering. And they're going, yeah, it was like a nickel. All she gave was a nickel, Jesus. I don't think you realized how much she put in. And Jesus says, no, no, no. She hath given more than everyone else because she gave of her all. She gave all she had. She gave all she could. So here's a woman who's giving a nickel who that's all she could give and Jesus is commending her in front of the disciples. And now here is a woman who is breaking a year's worth of salary of perfume out on Jesus and Jesus is commending her just the same. You see the examples? It is not about how much. It is not about how gifted or special or talented or awesome you are. It is not about how good you may think someone else is. No, no, no. It is about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ and no one else. Whether it's a lot, whether it's a little, both the widow and Mary participate in a moment that others miss and they miss they miss it because they're trying to do what everyone else thinks they ought to be doing instead of simply doing what they could. Jesus is not asking you to be anyone else. He's asking you to have the security in who you are. Have the security in how he has built you, how he has wired you. Have the spiritual self-awareness to be confident that he who hath began a good work in you will complete it. He has began a work in you and he has begun a work in me and the work he's doing in me isn't the same work that he's doing in you. And the work he's doing in you isn't the same work that he's doing in me. And it doesn't have to be. And it doesn't have to be because you are me and I'm not you. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad you're not me? I'm glad I'm not you. And see, only when someone recognizes this can they find. Can they find security. And who they are in Christ. Insecurity is something that many people, several people even in this room, wrestle with. We've, we've talked at length about it. Insecurity happens because you misplace your identity. You don't know who you are in Christ. And so you're always trying to be someone other than what you are or who you are because you're always trying to live for someone else. You're always trying to get the approval of everyone around you instead of recognizing the identity that God has already given to you and then living out that identity, being who God made you to be. Insecurity happens because of misplaced identity, but let me give you a couple thoughts here. Just write them over to the side. Insecurity 
causes us to have overreaction to the criticism of others. When you're insecure and someone criticizes you, you, you go to the farthest extreme. You overreact to what was said. I, I love here that Mary never even acknowledges what the disciples are saying. Don't you love that? There's no point where the disciples are like, what a waste. We could, have, we could have fed the hungry. We could have given it to the poor. And never in the scripture does Mary go, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I didn't do what you wanted me to do. Mary doesn't react at all to the criticisms that they have of her. Why? Because she knows what she has in Christ. You might be an insecure person if anytime somebody criticizes you, you overreact. Insecurity. Insecurity happens, insecurity results rather in being overly critical of yourself. The disciples criticize her, but Jesus doesn't criticize her. She doesn't go, oh, I'm sorry, I have regret now that I've done this. I wish I wouldn't have done this. I, re I realize the, the, she doesn't do that. She isn't criticizing herself. She isn't, she isn't regretting the choice she made. Really, the tense from Mary in the text, you, you don't really hear much about her. She breaks the box, she moves on. But really, the, the tense about Mary in the verses is that she's quite confident in what she's done. She isn't bothered at all that the disciples don't like it. She isn't turned upside down at all that Martha thought she should have been doing something else. No, no, no. She just knows who she is in Christ. And as a result of this, she has this security about what she has now done. Insecurity happens because of misplaced identity. Insecurity causes us to overreact to the criticisms of others. Insecurity results in being overly critical of yourself. Look at this fourth one. Insecurity causes us to exaggerate compliments. Jesus says the thing that she has done will be spoken of, a memorial for her, for as long as the gospel is preached. And watch this. Would you catch this very closely? It keeps us, it, insecurity causes us to exaggerate the compliments other people give of us. Watch. Mary doesn't go, now what you have to say. Told you. No, she doesn't do that. In fact, Jesus says, the gospel, wherever the gospel's preached, this story will be a memorial for this woman. You don't hear anything from her. You know how badly I would have wanted to rub that in the face of the disciples right there? Mary doesn't. You know why? Because Mary isn't operating out of insecurity. She is operating inside of security. She knows who Christ is. She knows who she is. And she hath done what she could. I'm asking you, are you secure in Christ? Do you have that security in Christ? You're always, you're always needing the approval of somebody else. Is your identity in Christ? Not in the things you do, not in the toys you have. No, my identity is in Christ. 
Are you struggling with insecurity? Overreacting to the criticism someone gives of you? Overly critical of yourself? Always exaggerating any compliment someone gives you along the way? These are signs of insecure people. Secure men and women can be devoted men and women because they know who they are in Christ. She served Christ as best she could. Let me give you this last one. We gotta go. She loved Christ for his cross. Look at at verse eight. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. In a couple days from Mark 14, Jesus would go to Jerusalem. He'll be crucified on the cross. He will not have his life taken from him. He will lay his own life down. Jesus has told the disciples this repeatedly. He's told them over and over and over. The disciples, they're like us. They're slow learners They they never seemed to understand what Jesus was talking about. Mary, she understood it. And though Mary could not possibly understand everything about Jesus' death, Mary loved Jesus for what Jesus was going to do. You say, well, just what was Jesus doing, Pastor? He was enduring the cross so that you and I could enjoy heaven. He was laying down his life so that you and I could be given life. He was becoming sin for us so that you and I could be made righteous in him. He became poor so that you and I could be made rich. I think Mary had listened to Jesus long enough to know that that was the moment that they were in. And I think Mary had listened to Jesus long enough to know that he was in full control of every part of this moment. And Mary thinks, will I have another opportunity to show him how much I love him? Will I have another opportunity to display for him my devotion to him. While Mary thinks, will I have another opportunity to show Jesus how much I love him? Judas is thinking, will I have another opportunity to get something from Jesus? Can I tell you, friend, you get one opportunity in this life, this one life, it will soon be past. And only what's done for Christ will last. You get this moment right now. You find yourself more like Mary or do you find yourself more like Judas? When she understand his devotion that moved her to her own devotion. 
I think the songwriter said it best. The songwriter said, did air such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Love so amazing, so divine. It demands my life, my soul, my all. You cannot love Jesus too much. You cannot follow Jesus too closely. You cannot adore Jesus too intensely. I wonder what it would look like if you or I lived our lives in selfless devotion to Jesus Christ.